This is episode 441 for October 2016, and that is the theme song for the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, and the reason I picked that is because in this month in Spider-History, we're going to talk about the first issue of Ultimate Spider-Man. We're taking it back to 2000. Before we get there, I want to ask for your support. Log on to our front page at spidermancrawlspace.com. Look for a button on the right-hand side. Also, we have a new app on the uh, right-hand side where you can easily chip in a few bucks to help pay for the bandwidth costs. Currently, we're at 0% of our goal. <laughs> we haven't had a single donation with our new uh, plug-in over on the right-hand side, but I'd appreciate it. Uh, if you chip in a few bucks to pay for the expensive bandwidth costs it takes to host 400-plus MP3s up on our server. All right, gang, on with this month in spider history. Hey, Crawl Spacers, welcome to our spider history. We're tackling October 2000, JR. Yes, we are. That's this is uh, 16 years ago. It's hard to believe, 16 years ago, but it, it had some significant things come out this month. We had uh, the first issue of Ultimate Spider-Man. We might, you want to start with Ultimate Spider-Man number one? I mean, that was a big issue. Yeah, we can, back, we can talk back. about that. That was yeah, yeah. The, the major thing of the month, really. Yeah, it was. It uh, was a, uh, an epic of uh, occurrence of seismic proportions or whatever you, you know, you yeah. add to it. So, uh, Definitely a milestone in history. The, Let's uh, not get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it's no a, Secret Wars number one, right, George? Oh man! Oh dear. The uh, the what 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 chapter one had just wrapped up the previous year. Is that not correct, or was it two years before this? Ninety eight or ninety nine? Uh, previous year. No. Previous. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's correct. I think it and wrapped I, up the previous year. Previous year, but it started two years before. <laughs> And I, when I picked this up, I was a bit uh, like most Spider fans. I'm like, we're doing this again. Well, you know that uh, George and I, I think we have kind of a different memory of how that happened. We saw, we knew that Ultimate Spider-Man was coming for a long time, and yeah. we knew what it was. Uh, originally, <clears throat> it was uh, all part of this Ground Zero thing. Uh, yeah. Instead of Ultimate Comics, it was going to be Ground Zero, which I guess is a good thing they changed it, considering what happened uh, within the next year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It was going to be called Ground Zero? Spider-Man yeah. Ground Zero. I've never heard this story. Well, it was in the it was in the Wall Street Journal. Sixteen years old. Yeah. You were probably just a young pup in the, uh, you know, the Missouri the Missouri uh, uh, public school system, learning about the you know uh, uh, science from Senator Aiken and things of that nature. Uh, <laughs> George, this is around the time of the Walgreens I mean, story, right, Brad? Jr. I was twenty five years old. Uh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, people don't graduate from the Missouri public school system. It's oh, good lord! Their early thirties, do so they? You were, yeah, you were twenty-five, but functionally, you were more like probably sixteen. But because uh, I could count to one. <laughs> <laughs> That's how many fingers I have? Uh, 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 uh. Okay, go ahead. Um, Spider was it going to be called Spider-Man Ground Zero? Spider-Man Ground Zero, yeah, and it was. Yeah. Um, now, George, fair. correct me where I where my where an old man's memory fails, but you and I were both part of Hero Realm at the time. We were, and this was. Uh, I mean, to to me, this was Bill Jemis's um, part of his devious plot to finally get rid of the old Marvel continuity, kick us old old comics fans out of the way. And essentially reboot the entire Marvel universe. This was the first middle finger. 
Yes. <laughs> and I, we just talked about this last night, about how many several, many times Marvel's given the old fans the middle finger and tried to get rid of them. This was mm-hmm. the first. This was, this was the first overt action. Mm-hmm. So was the plan to uh, end Amazing Spider- I mean, end all titles and just start doing this? I don't think I, – well, it, n- nothing that anybody would admit, but you, you yeah. kind of have to – admitted it. Uh, oh, he did admit he did. it? Yeah, no, James w- Quesada d- denied it, and Quesada always demurred – because at the time, Newsarama was the big news site. Uh, they were at, the, at that time, they were bigger than CBR. You had Johnston doing uh, a rumor column on Silver City or something like that, a different website. It was a much smaller column. Um, and and you had uh, – Newsarama was pretty much the big one for news back then. And Newsarama would do interview after interview with Quesada, and they're like, is this supposed to – is the Marvel Universe ending, and this is going to replace it? And Quesada's like, no, no, that's a bunch of crazy talk. And then they brought in Bill Jameis one day. He was like, yes, that's my – ultimately what I would love to do is have this just be the new universe and, and just get rid of everything else and just go forward with this. And no one remembers that but like me and like maybe a couple of, of other people out there. I remember at the time the Alvaro boards blew up. It was, it was like an interview yeah. or a, it was a quote? And, uh, okay. and, and so any time discussion of the Ultimate Universe comes up, people are always saying, oh, it was never meant to do this. And I was like, that's bullshit. Bill Jameis specifically said that that's what he wanted for it. There wasn't an actual plan to phase the old one out and bring the new one in. But that's that was what he created the entire thing for. He wanted to get rid of the of the original con- Marvel continuity, and and it, I, I don't remember. I, they interviewed one of the writers at the time, and one of the writers, and I don't remember who it was. It, it wasn't Bendis. It was somebody else. It may, it may have been Millar when he did Ultimate X Men, um, or um, yeah, I think it was Millar. But he was like, continuity is a noose that we hang ourselves in. And, I, and at the time, I was like, and I remember talking about this. I was like, really. Because tell Jeff Johns that Jeff Johns is doing is using continuity like a like a creative weapon over there at yeah. DC at the time, and I was like, this is just bullshit. It's it's lazy. You're saying you don't want to be bothered with knowing the character's history or being stuck to how the character should react, and you just want to make them up and and recraft everything about them. Wasn't so Jeff that, Johns about to start a run on Avengers? Uh, this the was level? this was a couple of years before that. Okay. Yeah, I, I just, so take me. Oh, no, I, I just say, remember. I mean, you kind of have to remember too some of the context of the times. Uh, comics were actually, I believe, still in something of a downward spiral. Um, I mean, the, the the industry had almost completely imploded uh, during the mid '90s, and really, and, and thinking about like as far as like where Spider-Man is concerned, uh, even though the uh, the Clone Saga was ended, and Peter Parker was returned to being Spider-Man. Uh, the uh, really the sales were not really improving. I mean, everything was just con- continued in its downward spiral. I mean, this was before the X Men movie came out, and this was before yeah. the first Spider Man movie in two thousand two, which I think finally. I mean, Marvel was Marvel was a, a court order away from being um, uh, uh, put into non existence. Uh, I mean, it, it was in bankruptcy. Um, the, uh, the the Spider-Man film, for example, was so tied up in in legal knots that it looked like it would never be made, um, yeah. and the comics industry was just simply strangling. Well, of course, Marvel's idea was not to tell good stories or 
you know, or, or get good, you know, kind of, you know, the old fashioned things like, you know, telling good stories with good art and things and having good public relations with your fans. No, they thought that the way to solve all this was to insult the fans, drive the old ones away uh, and, and essentially, like, you know, restart everything. They were going to start off with Spider-Man Ground Zero, X-Men Ground Zero and Ultimates. Um, I believe those were the three and it was going to start. I mean that that's how it was going to start, and then it was going to it was going to grow from there. Uh, and, and and frankly, I just I mean I up from from my perspective, I look at it as as an as a, as an attack upon us, to be honest. Uh, and Bill Jemus never made any uh, never made any doubt of his contempt for us. Nope. Uh, basically, <clears throat> compare you know, but didn't George he say that we like to uh, on Friday nights we could be found in our basements wanking off to Electra? <laughs> he didn't say that about us. He said that about. Um, no, that wasn't Jameis. That was Quesada. That was, I thought that was Jameis that said No, that, that was Quesada, and he was talking about people who were complaining about something or other, and he just took a shot. Back then, Quesada, when Jameis first took over, um, initially Quesada tried to play – almost was like trying to act like the good cop. But then eventually he, he got over that, and he just started insulting the fans right, right alongside Jameis. The whole insult the fans thing – Really, Jameis was the progenitor of that. He tried to turn comics fandom more into like re- pro wrestling, <laughs> yeah. and 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 so that was their PR standpoint. Was like, f you. If it wasn't for us, you wouldn't have any damn Spider Man. So stf you and enjoy this garbage. Which, it, <laughs> as as a pro wrestling scholar, that's this is towards the end of the uh, Attitude Era in WWE, where treating people like crap was was getting them a lot of money, and so. I guess Joe Casada thought, why not? And I'll I'll give I'll give it is something that has persisted to this day, in one way or another. And I'll give Axel Alonso credit. Alonso does a lot of stupid shit that I don't agree with, and that is just god awful for these characters. But he is not combative about it. He doesn't he he doesn't take the same condescending tone that Quesada took so many damn times, or that Jameis made made a, made a name for himself for. Take me through the story, Jr. Uh, well, <laughs> that, that'll be about five minutes. Is the least important part of this whole thing, Brad. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, uh, it took five, six issues to kill Uncle Ben, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It, it's kind of. I mean, it, it is kind of funny. I mean, how in a way we we looked at this and we looked at you know the and really a lot of the again it's it, it's it's hard to put this in its proper perspective anymore but when when this when the ultimate universe came out i mean it was just doing gangbusters in sales i mean ultimate spider-man was routinely and regularly uh the number one selling spider-man comic book uh on the market and uh, i remember because uh in um when I was doing my years in history, I, I was reviewing Ultimate Spider-Man, and I think there, someone said, well, why? And I said, well, it's the top-selling Spider-Man title. I can't hardly do it. I can't hardly do my articles called The Year in Spider-Man and ignore the top-selling yeah. Spider-Man title. Yeah. Uh, but then we finally started having the shift. Uh, I'm trying to think if it was around uh, the Straczynski era. But the shift started being made, and the regular titles began to kind of climb again. Uh, the amazing, the the first Spider-Man movie came out and was just a, a ter- terrific. You know, you know what a smash it was. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, for again, you know, we're we're, we're movies are making a billion dollars worldwide now routinely. I mean, Amazing Spider-Man four was like it was the very first movie 
to gross over a hundred million dollars domestically its first weekend of release. The very yeah. first one. And it took it took everything by storm. And it wound up grossing four hundred million and for that time it was good for number five on the all time domestic list. So so we had a seismic shift and ultimate then went started going down. People finally got tired of of um I mean for me it jumped the shark around issue fifty. Uh, with mm-hmm. when it was a forty-page book, when and like thirteen pages was no dialogue of the black cat stealing something. Um, but people got tired of the decompressed storylines, and and the sales plummeted, yeah. and then finally, you know, they, you know, actually, they, in order to save Ultimate Spider-Man, they killed Peter Parker and brought in yeah. Miles Morales, uh, and and that actually kind of you know kept it afloat for a little while longer. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> this all started issue number one, where remember the original Amazing Fantasy number fifteen told the origin of Spider-Man in eleven pages. <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man told the origin story in six or seven issues, uh, and even then, you know, it didn't tell the whole story. But anyway, issue number one starts out with Norman Osborn, you know. Uh, kind of, you know, bemoaning the fact that he's got regular hair now and uh, he doesn't have as good, he doesn't have a <laughs> uh, like, you know, I really, you know, I like, you know, I like my previous look, but this is the ultimate universe. But anyway, so he's, he's regaling one of his crony associates uh, with the story of Arachne, <laughs> which is very ironic. Uh, yeah. He tells the story of Arachne who, uh, and, and how it figures into Greek mythology and while he's staring at this uh, genetically engineered spider. Uh, and of course, Arachne figured very heavily into Julie Tamar's original uh, version of the Spider-Man musical. So, mm, anyway, Osborne, yeah. Osborne is telling this story, and he then has a nasty phone conversation with someone we don't—I don't know if we ever know who it is. I thought it might be Nick Fury, but I don't know if that was ever confirmed or not. But he's talking about yeah. the Oz, the Wonder Drug, and how it's going to revolutionize everything. And anyway, this this little spider gets away. Well, you know kind of what's going to happen happen then. But uh, so we, you know, then we start to, you know, we leave Osborne Industries and then we start to meet the rest of uh, the, the people in this universe. We meet poor put down upon Peter Parker, uh, who's being pelted with food by the, those two brainiacs named Flash Thompson and Kong. This is our <laughs> first, this is our introduction to Kong. Uh, and between the two of them, they probably have about half a brain. So they think they're real funny pelting, uh, you know, Peter with garbage. And nearby, Mary Jane is is sitting, kind of taking this all in, feeling sorry for him. And, of course, you know, she's known as Brainy Janie, you know, because Mary Jane's known for her intellectual prowess, you know. So mm. she's Brainy Janie. And then, and then Uncle Ben walks in, you know, because they're at a food court. They're not at school, but they're at the food court. Uncle Ben walks in. And, of course, we all recognize Uncle Ben because he's an old hippie with a long ponytail. <laughs> uh, so yeah. you know, and and we also meet earring earring wearing Harry Osborne, uh, mm-hmm. who's uh, who's using Peter to do his homework for him. You know, he he sort of I mean, he sort of is Peter's friend, but he's also he's also using him as well. Uh, yeah. You know, Aunt May is uh, you know is a champion surfer of the internet, uh, and uh, of, Peter, of the internet. Peter is that you know Al Gore's invention. Uh, yeah. and, <laughs> and Peter is, uh, down in his basement with a bunch of his father, you know, cause his father was this brilliant scientific genius who we learned died in a plane crash. 
Um, and uh, we don't find out exactly the details for about another two or three years. Uh, but Longer anyway, than that. <laughs> he's, uh, well, it was in the 30s whenever I guess he finally met Eddie Brock Jr. Uh, yeah. And we were introduced to the Venom, the cancer suit called Venom. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Peter's looking at this formula that his father was working on for a, for a kind of a, a new uh, molecular adhesive. Okay. So anyway, the next day, you know, Harry's class, you know, well, Peter and Harry's class is going to Osborne Industries for a school tour. Well, this is where the mysterious spider decides to show up again. And guess what he does? The spider bites Peter and Peter collapses, you know, you know, foams, claws and spits and gurgles and stuff like that and collapses on the floor. Well, Osborne huddles with his his team worrying, you know, and they're all talking about the legal ramifications you know, and then Osborne says, "Ah, you know what? Let's let's be nice guys here. I'm a nice guy, even though I, you know, I I have this ordinary hair that I don't like it. You know? <laughs> and uh, let let's pay their med- Peter, let's pay the boys' medical bills and send them a nice fruit basket. Well, why do you want to do that, Mister Osborne? Because I want to keep an eye on the boy. Cue ominous music. Dun-dun-dun. Anyway, so Peter's back at school, and Kong." showing the world, again, what a first-class intellectual he is, decides he's going to kick Peter in the butt. All right? <laughs> well, Peter's spider sense kicks in, and he grabs Kong's foot and then just literally flips him, and the guy crashes to the floor. It, it's kind of funny how some of this, you know, some of these things kind of look sort of familiar to a certain motion picture that debuted about a couple yeah. years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, but then Peter faints and drools again, all right, and goes to the hospital, and they take a blood sample. Uh, but then one of Norman Osborne's henchmen, known as Shaw, you know, and he's bald, you know, so he's evil. You know, bald people are evil. <laughs> he probably was British as well. <laughs> he, could ver- he could have been played by Patrick Stewart. Um, Make it soul number one. Or, 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 you know, or if he could have been an evil, bald newscaster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> spread, spread, uh, spreading propaganda in the heart of America. Um, Lord. So anyway, they take, um, you know, Shaw takes uh, the, the blood, Peter's blood samples, and Osborne is studying it. And says, "Well, yeah, the kid, this the kid's uh, the kid's going to die. This stuff is going to kill him. It's going to kill him quick, you know." And then the the lawyers say, "Well, gee, Mister Osborne, they'll trace that right back to the lab, won't they?" Yeah, yeah, they will. Well, he's going to die anyway, isn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah, Shaw, get your car. So you know, Peter's walking, you know, walking down the street one day, deep, 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 and Shaw's behind the wheel, and he's going to run him down. Well. Uh, you know, obviously, having watched, you know, knowing what uh, is going to happen later in Spider-Man 2, Peter jumps and flips over the car. Uh, and then Shaw crashes, and he calls Osborne and says, oh, we got a little problem here. The kid just, you know, like, flipped and uh, jumped over the entire car. And Osborne says, oh, we don't want to kill him now, do we? Uh, and, he says, uh, and he says, no, 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 we don't want to kill him now. I want to study the boy. <laughs> so, anyway... Is that the end of issue one? Yeah, that's what. Oh, I'm so sorry. Hurry to get this over with. You know, here no, we were. Giving, we were giving, no, no. I'm, I'm thinking that's a lot happening in issue one. I thought it was shorter than that. No, no, no. This is issue one. This is like a double sized issue. 
Oh, okay. Which let's see how much it was going for. It was being, it was two ninety nine at the time, which I think regular comics were going for one ninety nine or one ninety five. One nice cardstock cover. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good luck also finding an original uh, copy of it that's not a reprint. Well, I've got about two or three of the things. So, but uh, oh wow, I've got a couple on eBay. But I didn't get the uh, but I didn't get the white one. I guess the white one variant. Yeah. Is the is the rarest one? I didn't get one of those. Which the dynamic forces one? Too. I saw one and I should have bought it, but you know the the cover I have never liked. The eyes that Cusada drew on that are just way too. Was big. that Joe or is that Bagley? I thought it was Bagley. I thought it was. Oh, was that Bagley? No, I think that's Cusada. Man, let's see. Let's check the credits here. Well, it doesn't say who does the cover. Oh, it says cover art Mark Bagley. Okay, oh, where? Uh, on uh, a Spider Fan. Well, I don't, I'm not reading that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, so well, I thought you were getting impatient because here George and I were trying to give you a history lesson. We were trying to to to, <laughs> to you know provide color and yes. and put this in its proper historical context. And it was like, okay, okay, let's get to the story because that's so damn good. Uh, anyway, so. Peter, anyway, Peter goes home and uh, he gets in a fight with Uncle Ben and Aunt May. And he, you know, he know, of course, they're, you know, both old hippies, you know, and old hippies got to argue with kids and things like that. <laughs> you know, uh, and Peter goes to his room and lays around and pouts and thing. And what, well, no, wait a minute. He actually, before that, he does a little, that's right. Well, he gets in trouble because he skips school. And the reason he skips school is because he's noticing, that, of course, they can do all these funky things. So he, you know, because, you know, I mean, nowadays, because since this is a modern uptake or a, a modern update of Spider-Man, everybody surfs the web now, you know, I mean, because we got to show that we're in the modern age. So Peter goes on the web and he looks up Osborne Industries and then he runs, a, uses the search engine and looks on types and spiders and reads about Osborne Industries' work with spiders, and then he takes a sample of his own blood, and he looks at it, and he says, oh, boy, this is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, and then that's when, you know, May and Ben get on him for not going to school, because, you know, old hippies always valued education, you know? Hippies, you know, damn dirty hippies, they always valued education, and they always valued science, you know? Yeah. Uh, and... Um, so they, you know, they they ground Pierce and into his room or whatever, and he's laying around thinking, well, don't, gee, you know, I, I've, I, let me try something here, you know. And so he just starts. He walks, starts walking up the wall, walk, crawls up on the ceiling, hangs upside down from the ceiling, and goes, cool. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is ah. the end of number one. The bef right. issue number one. Before we get to the Hulk Goblin, you know who can't oh, who can't yeah. who can't use vowels in his first appearance. <laughs> when the uh, when, when Sp Spider Man's webbing actually is green and it looks like he's you know oozing green boogers when he you know squirts his webbing or whatever. Uh, and um, so I, I did, did you did you like this back in October two thousand at this first issue? Not really, no. No. I know it, 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 it's it, uh, no, no. But, well, one, it was like I, I didn't like the fact that Aunt May and Uncle Ben were a couple old hippies. I just I didn't get the point. Yeah. You know what? What was what was the point of them being old hippies? Um, and um, what the heck's going on? I'm lost, Zach. I'm trying to get him back. I, I, I'm back. Why? <laughs> oh, <laughs> thanks, Jr. 
<laughs> well, he's not going to contribute until next oh. month, right? Uh, uh, I can I contribute mean, this month too. There, there. How old were you when this came yeah. out? I, I was the target audience, man. I was. Uh, let's see, two thousand. I was thirteen. There, you, yes, you were the target audience. I was the target audience, yeah. so I got. To, you, did you did you pick this up off at the bookstore? Or did you did you love it? I, I you know I didn't get the uh, issues as it came out. I didn't start collecting it regularly until issue nine. Um, I had a hard time get it going back and getting the back issues. When, but this is also around the same time that the trades were coming out pretty quickly. So I picked up the first trade. I like it, but I also understand why people don't like the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, but when when did this stop being a miniseries? That was my question uh, to Jr. I never thought it was a miniseries. Originally, I think uh, it was mm. said that it was originally a six issue miniseries, but mm. very early on, then it became an ongoing. Okay. Um, things I, only things only go from regular to miniseries when they don't fail and would make Bendis look bad, like Marvel Team Up. <laughs> oh, I remember Ultimate Marvel Team Up. Yeah, oh, that was <clears throat> that was kind of rough. Yeah, very much so. But uh, you know, it, I guess you know, looking through the first story, and I I, I, have, I wasn't able to go back and because um, I wrote an article called Ultimate Spider Man: The First Year. Uh, I, the th- the thing is, I just it, it's one of those things where, for example, when the the thing with the burglar, you know, where. Mm-hmm. Where when when the the burglar I think he robs a convenience store. Peter's got his powers and he's just feeling surly. And the burglar comes at him, and Peter could stop him, but he just stands there and says, "Shall we dance?" And then the burglar runs around and gets away. It's like, what? You know, but the the whole thing of the the hubris and you know everything like that was is just gone. You know, I mean, he just, he just, he, Peter is just a snarky, brooding, frankly, unlikable little pissant. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the original Peter Parker was a likable nerd, you know, who, you know, was being picked on by the jocks and couldn't get a date or whatever. And frankly, Ultimate Peter was just a, was just a little pissant. And uh, I never did really, never really liked him that much, frankly. Right. Uh, you know, Caseta, you know, said he was a brooding kid because we got to, our heroes have to brood. You know, we got to say, brood. But uh, no, I didn't like the Hulk Goblin. And uh, uh, eventually, Ultimate, I I started to kind of like it when, for Mm -hmm. a while. But then, like I said, after it jumped the shark around issue 50 or so, and and I guess you got sick of the decompressed storytelling. For a while, it was interesting to see new takes on old things, you know, just to see what they do. But the, the thing is, that was the gimmick. And I think, like everything else, once that gimmick played out, people were no longer interested. And yeah. Yeah. the problem with the, the modern updates is I think one reason the the superhero comics have survived for so long is that, I mean, superhero comics are cheesy. Superheroes are cheesy. I mean, they go around, they wear stupid costumes. The villains wear stupid costumes, you know, but that's all part of the, that's all part of the charm. That's all part of the fun. That's the comic book medium, you know, but when you try to make it realistic, I think what you get, what, what eventually happened to the the ultimate universe is when you start actually trying to make it real, then it all falls apart. I mean, like what, what, what ultimately happened to the Marvel universe? Didn't like the country split into five or something like that. And, you know, Magneto sent yeah. a big wave and wiped out most of it. I mean, the thing is if this, if these people really existed, people would yeah. die. 
I mean, the world would the world would go to hell. Yeah. And then you yeah. don't you, you don't have your you know. So the, the I think so to me, the ultimate universe almost in a way set up its own self destruction. Right. Um, it, George, did, how long did you read the ultimate before you dropped it? <laughs> one issue. <clears throat> one issue. What, you read this one, you were done. Huh? I reviewed it for the site uh, <coughs> and for Hero Realm back then, and I remember I gave it. I think I gave it a positive review in that mm-hmm. as a you know just as a as a standalone comic, it was okay. Uh, and mm-hmm. I was putting my own personal bias towards the uh, thrice damned Ultimate Universe, which back then I called faux Marvel and still do. Um, and uh, and and I think I just reviewed it the one time, and then I was like, uh, and this is the only time I'm going to review this garbage. So if somebody else wants to, they can. Uh, and that was that was it. And I never. I never read another issue of Ultimate after that. No, I take that back. No, no, that's incorrect. I, I, I was thinking I, there was something Nick Fury related, but that was Nick Fury Max, um, the Max imprint, uh, which I famously used as a coaster. I hated it so much I used it as a drink as a drink coaster. <laughs> um, well, I mean, let's – go ahead, Zach. Well, being, being that I was, I, was a, I was an avid reader at this, at this point, um, the Ultimate Universe – I somewhat identified with some of the angst. Now, looking at it through the prism of, uh, God, 16 years ago, um, it does, the artwork holds up well. Mm-hmm. That's Mark Bagley. But it's Mark Bagley. And I, yeah, I, don't, I, mean, it's awesome. I don't think that the Ultimate Universe would have worked if you had had anybody else but Mark Bagley. To me, really? that is what made Ultimate Spider-Man even even going through and getting the individual issues and suffering through the decompression, that's yeah. what made the Ultimate Universe, to me, tolerable. Plus, I will say this, because of decompression, you got 18 issues a year when it finally started getting rolling after the first year. So there would be months where if you went in once a month, you get two issues, and so you could read them back to back. So it was a little bit more palpable. But I... This couldn't to me. There is no, absolutely no way that this would have replaced, should have replaced the the regular Marvel universe. Yeah. And we'll, I guess, we'll talk about that. Right. Well, let's go back to the uh, regular Marvel universe. Let's go to Amazing Spider-Man Volume Two, Number Twenty Two, came out this month. Jr. Uh, yes, yes, Number Twenty Two. After after two years. The Senator yeah. Ward story is finally, <clears throat> finally going to wrap up. Now you got to remember, boys and girls, if you've been a uh, if you've been a devoted listener to this podcast, um, we actually talked about the uh, the Senator Ward storyline back in episode number one forty nine, which was the classic Joey Z episode, one of the best. Uh, because I was uh, for whatever for whatever reason, I and I don't know why. I, I guess I'm known to tangent. Uh, and, <laughs> Uh, and, and, for, and for some reason, I, I tangented uh, from Joey Z uh, to this, to, to the whole Senator Ward thing. Uh, right. But I think part of it was I think part of it was uh, the talk about Howard Mackey and the way his his stories just went nowhere. And I used Senator Ward as a um, the Senator Ward story as a uh, kind of a motto because we just you know when when the Spider Man titles were first rebooted. 
uh, that was like the big one of the stories was how Senator where this Senator Ward was a bad dude. And everybody was talking about what a bad dude he was. Well, this kept going. He would periodically show up. Arthur Stacy would talk about what a bad dude he was, what an evil man he was. But it, there was no buildup. The story wasn't going right. anywhere. You know, I don't even remember what Senator Ward eventually became. I don't know. I don't. That's what he was an alien. Don't don't enable the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy who didn't want anybody to spoil the Avengers movie for him, and yet he kept asking me who was the mysterious vagrant. I was trying to. This is like fifteen years old. I'm sorry. I don't mind. (laughs) This is when I stopped reading comics for a while. Why? Because of the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> no, uh, this is during my period where uh, I, I dropped Spider-Man. Yeah, it was, it was. Uh, I mean, it, uh, I'm trying to think. This was also the time period that Eric Larson really turned in some of the most dreadful oh, artwork. Oh, <laughs> issues eighteen. I think it was eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. Uh-huh. And then, and then. Uh, uh, Demon, or, uh, John Romita Jr. took over. Yeah. I mean, that I mean, was when I dropped Spider-Man, was during I mean, that period. I mean, you would look at those issues and say, this is the same guy who followed McFarlane in Amazing Spider-Man? It's like, you know, what happened? Did he have a stroke or something? And he goes, no. <laughs> but, but basically he admitted in, uh, that he said, I, the reason I phoned this artwork in is because the story sucked. Uh, <laughs> but so, but, but, and, and I think George probably remembers, uh, because when finally, and this is getting close to where there's there's about to become a revolution in in in, in Spider-Man, Straczynski is going to be hired. Uh, Paul Jenkins has already been hired to yeah. take over because Mackie was doing two issues to both Peter Parker and Amazing. And in issue 20, Ralph Macchio hired Paul Jenkins to take over number 20. So we are starting to see some change. The, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the revolution that George tried to, that started with Hero Realm and his relentless campaign, uh, against the Quemus. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We called uh, them Quemus back then. Yeah. Uh, was finally starting to pay off. Uh, and Marvel said, yes, the Senator Ward storyline will finally end. So, you know things have gotten bad when the editorial has to give you a promise that a meandering story will finally end. So anyway, the story. I would, I would, so just just to, just to, uh, because Jr. brought it up. Uh, sure. Imagine me back with more energy. You know, and and writing a lot more and having a lot more free time. It it, it was probably uh, kind of terrifying, maybe for for people. Imagine a more passionate <laughs> at, at, at one point, uh, Jameis told Newsarama that if I didn't exist, he would have to invent me. <laughs> I remember that, and I and I, I remember reading that. And at the time, I was like, you know, I'm doing something right. Then if I if I'm that hated by this dude, uh, and we went on to actually have a pretty nice email relationship uh he's he was a completely different person away from interviews and stuff but um i i remember thinking i'm doing something right then if if if, I, if i'm in that dude's head to the point where he mentions me in an interview then i'm, I'm doing something right <laughs> barryman was a byword in the marvel offices during those days <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure that james you know when he was talking to wacker be like oh that guy uh but james never actually... james never talked to wacker i know i was making a joke oh um, but also, uh, Jr. mentioned that uh, you had you had uh, uh, Larson do a couple issues of Spider-Man. This is actually the beginning of 
uh, Romita Jr.'s run on Amazing that would last all the way through the end of the Straginski era. Another example of uh, strong art uh, getting it through. Yeah. <laughs> like we were talking about Bagley, because yes. I love Bagley and I love John Romita Jr. Yeah. And I, I mean, just going back to Ultimate Admit, because it was a point I was going to make because you guys were talking about Bagley. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think Mark Bagley was was Ultimate Spider-Man uh, for a while because when he, I thought there was a, I think there was, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but when Bagley left around issue 110 or so, wasn't that pretty well a major jumping off point? For people, for Ultimate Spider-Man, because, yeah, I would agree. Because then Stuart Emmerman yeah. took over, and, and nothing against the mm-hmm. guy, but then Ultimate Spider-Man became just another comic book. I mean, yes. what, what, as long as Bagley was doing it, Ultimate Spider-Man, it had a very, it had a very unique style. I mean, it was yeah. just, uh, you know, Bagley brought something to. I mean, I, I think Bagley. Everybody talks about, you know, whether or not Ditko or Kirby should be considered co-creators. Well, I tell you, Bagley should be considered a co-writer of Ultimate Spider-Man no. because, I mean, when you have 13 panels of no dialogue and the black cat stealing something, I'm sorry, the artist is doing more of the storytelling than the writer. <laughs> um, True. But anyway, that but that, back to the Amazing Spider-Man 22. Okay, the story opens yeah. with Eddie Brock at his wife's grave because a few years issues ago, she threw herself out the window. You know, she saw Spider-Man, you know, because at this point in time, remember, I think Spider-Man had lost his costume, blah, 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 because he was wanted to be homeless, you know, uh, and sleep on the streets. And some kid came and stole his costume while he was sleeping, even though his spider sister is supposed to work when he's asleep. You know, but then again, you know, he was also working in a restaurant eating scraps, you know, because he wouldn't go live with Aunt May. And Mary Jane was dead. You know, remember that Mary Jane got blown up yep. in his plane or whatever. Mary Jane was dead. And it was a pretty good time in Spider-Man. But uh, so so Spider-Man, was, Peter was wearing the black costume, I think, for a little bit while. And Brock's ex-wife saw him swinging by and threw herself out the window. So Eddie, being the sociopath that he is, you know, nothing is ever Eddie's fault. You know, uh, it's always it's all Spider-Man's fault. So, you know, Eddie's at his wife's grave, you know, saying how he's going to eat Spider-Man's heart out. And then this voice talks about and says, oh, I don't think so yet, Eddie. I think we think I want. I want to talk with your little symbiote friend here. So this mysterious voice or whatever separates the symbiote from Brock and and takes the symbiote with him. Okay, anyway, right now Peter and Randy Robertson are living together, all right? And they're having some money problems, all right? Uh, Because, you know, Randy, you know, in the interim, you know, because Randy, uh, I mean, I better not get started on that. About, about and divorcing his wife or whatever, uh, but anyway, so they're um, they're living together and worrying about money. And Randy comes up with an idea. Peter, I got an idea about how to raise some money. Oh, what is that? Well, you know, your dead wife was pretty popular. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you've got a bunch of her shit stored. Yeah. So why don't we just sell it on eBay? Damn. You know and. Damn, I remember I reviewed this, and I had a very strong reaction to that. Damn. Yeah, yeah. And and when George says strong, <sighs> when George says strong reaction, uh, you know that that's that's like saying that uh, Donald Trump has uh, strong opinions about immigrants. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, so yeah, it's like why don't you sell your dead wife shit and make us some money? Well, 
Glory Grant and Jill Stacy are there because, as you know, during this time period, Jill Stacy kept showing up in places where Jill Stacy had no business showing up. You know, yeah. uh, at the Daily Bugle, Jill Stacy shows up. Peter's walking, you know, down the street. Jill Stacy shows up. You know, he, he's going. You know, he's he's doing. He's watching peep shows. Jill Fort- Stacy shows up. Fortunately, you know? no one was there to say, you know that you know who would be perfect for you. That Jill Stacy, <laughs> man, she's just perfect, and she knows <laughs> where it's at. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so, so she's there and, uh, Glory's there. And so, but Jill gets this call because her dad, Arthur Stacy is panicking. You know, he says, come home right away. He's given both his kids, you know, uh, walkie talkies or whatever to keep in contact because he's afraid of what Senator Ward is going to do to him. So Peter follows, um, but goes home with Jill, uh, and, uh, you know, Arthur is just absolutely freaking out. And uh, so Peter decides to plant a tracer on the guy because Arthur's going to go meet somebody. So he's going to follow him and see where the, who he's going to meet with and how this all... Because a few issues ago, Arthur tried to kill Senator Ward. So, again, in a, in a story that was really going nowhere. Um, but like I said before, I mean, this was all aggravating because this raining and raving had been going on for so long. And it was, yeah. wasn't building up to anything. So, anyway... Spider-Man goes off swinging, following Arthur. Uh, he gets distracted by some high-tech terrorists blowing shit up. But we, and then we see Arthur meets with the Ranger, who we last saw in Peter Parker number one. Okay, so he also was talking about what a bad dude Senator Ward was. Well, they discover the Spider Tracer. Arthur later rigs it to, uh, you know, to 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 get Spidey to come to his house, which Ward's men have already shown up and and blown it up. Fortunately, the kids are gone. But Arthur asked for Spider-Man's help. You have to help me kill Senator Ward because he is the most dangerous man who ever lived. (laughs) And And an alien. And I thought, you know, and, 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 you know, boys and girls, if you thought J. Michael Straczynski's I've never been hit that hard before. (laughs) <laughs> when Moreland showed up, I mean, you know, this actually he he was uh, Mackie had him beat by a year and saying that uh, Senator Ward was the most dangerous man alive or no, who ever lived. Well, the issue ended with Ward, who's all red and icky looking, talking with the symbiote. And that's where he says he's sharing his body with an alien life form, which is really like a virus. Uh, and he thinks the symbiote can help him with the little problem that he's having. To be continued. <laughs> and what this ultimately turned out to be was just yeah. part of a part of a crossover event, guys, yeah. called Maximum Security. Mm-hmm which I really don't know what that was about. I think it was about a bunch of alien criminals that showed up on Earth, right? Kind of like, yeah. kind of like uh, Men in Black without Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, it turned out that the, the the whole thing, Ward the Ranger and Arthur Stacy were, were uh, I don't know what the hell they were. They were operatives or, or S.H.I.E.L.D. agents or Navy SEALs or whatever. You know, all together, yeah. and and they were fighting Hydra, and that's when they stumbled upon this this uh, this this lab that Hydra was maintaining, and apparently it was a rogue outfit of Hydra because not even Strucker, Baron von Strucker, was going to have any part of what this this crate what crazy shit was going on here, you know, <laughs> and and Ward was just oh wow, there's alien shit in here, we got to use this. Can you imagine what kind of cool 
shit we can do with all this alien shit. You know, and, uh, <laughs> well, of course, you know, years, you know, they, 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 the Hydra attacks and everything blows up and, and uh, Ward and the, I mean, Arthur and the Ranger think that Ward died, but Ward really didn't. Uh, but he had, but it turns out that Ward made buddies with these aliens called the Zanaks. And I don't know much about the Zanaks, but apparently they already did exist in the Marvel Universe. The X-Men had fought them, and the Zanaks were going to invade Earth, and they needed a, a, a human to be a carrier for this alien pathogen, and that's why they used Senator Ward, and this went on for two issues, and didn't make a goddamn bit of sense. And then yeah. it was over, and we sighed a collective sigh of relief, and then we went to have some stories about the squid and things of that nature and and we limped into the Straczynski era. We uh, probably haven't seen uh, Senator or uh, Paul Stacey and Jill Stacey in 16 years. Nearly two decades coming up. No, they were were pretty well done when uh, Mackie went off the titles. Right. I I don't... Do you like the idea of the Stacey family? When when they're done right, yes. Mm -hmm. I think think they could have been... I I, I, I mean, Spider-Man... One of the, the, the strengths of Spider-Man is his supporting cast and his history. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that thing that, that ghosts of the past always kind of haunt him. I mean, you know, even like when, when Norman was dead all those years. I mean, you know, Harry was losing his grip. And it, Norman's ghost was just always prevalent. And so, you know, so... You know, and so the Stacy family, by bringing them back, always kind of like just put in Peter's face, you know... This, this, what had happened, and you know what, what had been done. I mean, it was just another, another part of his past coming back to haunt him, and and so you know. It, it, but the thing was, you know, the thing was, Jill was. So to me, it was working before the reboot. Before the reboot, because it was, you know, Arthur was was curious about Peter's connection to Spider-Man. Uh, Paul was a douchebag. Uh, you know, Jill and Mary Jane were becoming best friends, which was actually kind of nice because it was always nice to see Mary Jane develop relationships outside of Peter, you know. Well, metaphorically and literally, you know what I mean. Uh, and uh, but no, it was, it was nice for Mary Jane to have a character of her own and have friends of her own yeah. and have people that she could talk to. And, and and you know, I thought that Jill served a nice purpose. But then after the reboot, you know, then you know, Jill was shoehorned into the next love interest. And yeah. you know, and Peter yeah. and Mary Jane were turned into a very very irritating couple. Uh, who were too young to be having any problems. You know, they were too y- they married too young, you know, and so they were just too young to be having these problems and these issues, even though when I was their age, I was already married and I trying to think when did when no, I wasn't my kid, first kid didn't come till I was 31. But uh it, I mean, it, just, it was stupid. I mean, they were just a bunch of whiny, unlikable people and and so yeah. but yeah, I mean, it, but the whole Stacy thing kind of fell apart because it was you know, it was misused. I mean, I, I don't know what the what yeah. the hell happened. Mackie was writing good stuff until the reboot, and then in the reboot, well, he was yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, I agree. Well, He's, he it was at the end of his run, kind of like a certain writer is now, yeah. uh, uh, allegedly. <laughs> uh, let's check in with Paul Jenkins over in uh, Peter Parker Spider Man twenty two came out this month in October two thousand. Yeah, we actually referenced this back in our August episode, uh, Very- the one with the dreadful art. Uh, of of spermy rain and uh, and hairy dad bod Spider Man, um, 
Oh. You know, we're reclining on the couch with his hands down his pants, just like I'm on. Oh. And, uh, but that, that Sam Keith art was some of the ugliest I've ever seen. And that was the story. In that story, the Sandman was putting himself back together. That was what that story was about. But this story was a one-parter that was the precursor to that, uh, where oh. we see Sandman literally starting to fall apart. Because yeah. earlier in Amazing Spider-Man, or Peter Parker, one or the other, Venom took a bite out of him, and he couldn't, without with not being whole, he couldn't quite pull himself together. And th- this is this is a one parter, and this is kind of the story. This, this is the stuff that Paul Jenkins did well, you know, mm-hmm. Paul, uh, one or two shots. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And the Sandman, uh, what, what's happened is is not only is he, you know, physically he's falling apart, but mentally he's decomposing as well. And he's almost like reverting almost to like a childlike state. He's trying to write a letter to his mother, and the the grammar is horrible. The misspelling is horrible. I mean, it's a combination of him being a marginally a marginally educated thug and starting to lose his mind. Uh, and you know, he he goes to a construction site. He's trying to eat cement because which is, he, he's trying to supplement himself, and he can't do it. And he knows he's dying, and so he's going to, you know, seek revenge on Spider-Man because he blames Spider-Man for this, obviously, not Venom. Uh, because everybody's got – everybody blames Spider-Man for their yeah. own stupidity. So anyway, so Peter has just gotten – for whatever reason, Peter's just gotten out of the shower. And he looks at, you know, he looks in the fridge and says, hmm, should I eat my moldy piece of cheese called Kevin? And, of course, you remember Kevin. Kevin was a uh, uh, was a character. He was a sentient piece of moldy cheese uh, <laughs> that was kept in the fridge. And Paul Jenkins used him for several issues. Uh, never knew where Paul was going with some of these things. Kevin, the sentient moldy cheese and Barker. Never figured out what was oh, going on. Is that the dog? The Barker, Barker the dog. The dog. Yeah, Barker, nice. Barker wasn't in this issue, but you know, but just kind of one of those little things that Jenkins had going that you didn't know if it was going to amount to anything or not. Uh, but anyway, so Peter's eating. A, you know, he's just gotten out of the shower. He's eating a tub of ice cream, and he's got his headphones on, and he's singing to uh, to Queen, uh, to Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, right. and um, Randy and Glory come in while he's dancing. He drops his towel and 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 moons them, uh, and. Uh, they pr- disgusted. They leave. So anyway, uh, I don't know if Glory was that disgusted. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see here. She says, "Oh, he's got the issue in front of him." There uh, you go. Let's let's see exactly. I better read this because I don't want to be accused of making shit up. <laughs> uh, you're, welcome. you're welcome, Barryman. <laughs> hmm, let's see. I figure, I figure one of us will keep him on his toes. Randy says, "Well, I wasn't expecting that." Glory goes, "Hmm." Let's see here. Someone Page. has to keep him honest, and it's an increasingly hard job. Pages. <laughs> it's taking two of us now. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. No. No. Glory. I don't know. It just. I don't Your know. Facial. Randy says, "You know, that was a side of him I've never seen before." Har. Ha. 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 And then Glory goes, he snort. Okay. Anyway. Now, r- real quick, you're talking Gloria Grant, right? Yes. Let's see. Um, did she move into that apartment building with him? No, no, again? no she was just hanging around Randy. Oh, okay. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, because yeah. you know, ugh, I was going to go somewhere that I dare not go. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, they, they were Self-editing. They were rolling around in the hay. 
Oh, they were. Yeah. Okay. It was pretty much implied. Yeah. Okay. Ran, ran, Randy, Randy decided decided to stop uh, decided to stop sampling the vanilla and go back to the, his home home home. Oh, uh, wow. Lord, Lord, my dear God. Oh, all right. Just decide to stay with his own ice cream, if you know what I mean. So that escalated quickly. It did. So anyway, uh, so anyway, uh, whoever somehow hates- I'll get blamed for that. <laughs> well, I, that's if I can remember it, I might edit it out. <laughs> Wait a minute! I didn't, say, I didn't say yeah, right. I didn't say anything. I did not say anything. What's nobody knows what I'm talking about. You guys are just kind of like your imaginations are running away with you. Um, we wonder so, why. Was it? I said we wonder why. <laughs> Hey, you're the one invite. You're the one who invited yourself on this particular uh, uh, podcast. You know, I, don't I, blame anybody else. No. Nope, uh, nope. Anyway, so Sandman attacks Spider Man while Spider Man's out web slinging, and but really the really what happens during the fight is Sandman pretty well vents about you know what a uh, you know what a failure he feels his life has been, and it also illustrates his complete misconception of who and what Spider-Man is, uh, which is actually kind of interesting because in his, you know, he's feeling so sorry for himself uh, that he presumes that Spider-Man is just a superhero for the jollies, that he was a high school quarterback who got all the pretty girls, uh, that he was, very, he was always popular, and that he never had anything go wrong in his life, uh, which is kind of an interesting perspective. Uh, cause, because you know, as we know, <laughs> Spider-Man's life has been anything but, uh, you know, a, a bowl of cherries. But, uh, but Sandman doesn't quite see it that way. He sees, you know, he sees Spider-Man as, uh, someone who, ha- who everything has gone right for. And, uh, so as he, de- he, then he de- totally disintegrates, crumbles down the sewer. And at the end, we see a couple, a middle-aged couple walking along the beach and uh, the wife notices, wow, there's a lot of nice new sand along this beach. Wonder where it came from. And then, you know, the, the quote-unquote camera pans up. And we see the, 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 the out, we clearly see the outline of the Sandman. So, and then that, that's as he's, yeah. you know, slowly begins to reconstitute himself. So, so that's the end of that one. Peter Parker, Spider- Spider-Man number 22. Revenge of the Goblin, you want to do that one? Well, of course I want to do I, That's what I'm thinking, yes. <laughs> Of course, it was a mini series that came out this month in October 2000. Our friend Roger Stern came back with Ron Friends. You can't beat that team up. No, well, no, you can't. But unfortunately, it, it didn't quite hit the mark. I mean, it was almost there, but just I don't know. But anyway, uh, yes, Uncle Roger was. This, back. this must have been Roger's first time writing the Goblin. I think it was because yeah. he uh, he meant, he had like a little one page uh, essay at the very end and he talked about how he had never you know during his run on Spider-Man he had never used the green goblin because the green goblin was dead and yeah. he had no interest in doing a a fourth version of the character uh because yeah. this you know and uh, so that's when he created the hobgoblin uh, and then, you know, of course, he found out that, you know, as everybody else did is and as we'll all find out next month when we talk about uh, when we're near the end of the clone saga, uh, that Norman had come back. But uh, I was really looking forward be. to this for obvious reasons. I mean, just not only that, you know, uh, being a, a miniseries feature highlighting the Goblin, but, you know, written by Stern, penciled by friends. I mean, this. You know, yep. this this was highly anticipated. So, anyway, we, we begin this story at the end of the final chapter. Uh, 
Because you remember there in the you know final chapter, one of those uh, one of the worst Spider-Man stories ever told. It I'm ended sure. volume one of Amazing Spider-Man. <sighs> And basically, it was, uh, as has been described, it all was a fever dream in Norman Osborn's mind, is how it ended. Typical, kind of a typical Mackie off-panel uh, ending of a story. Uh, the Goblin thought he had killed Spider-Man, but really Spider-Man had kicked his ass. And uh, he get, the Goblin got put away in the loony bin, and then the, the Scryers came in and, and got him. So and then that was the end. Well, at the, we, we find out what's happened uh, since then. Uh, Norman was taken away for some serious detoxing. And they finally got a crooked doctor to come together with a, a uh, come up with a cocktail, which was slowly, slowly giving Norman his grip back on reality. But he's kind of got to be wheeled around in a wheelchair with an IV drip. So Norman's sitting there with his faithful toady Minkin, who uh, who reminded Donald Minkin, who showed who showed up rel- relatively regularly for a while. And uh, he was even a, a hobgoblin suspect at one time. Um, so Norman's reliving kind of the the, the final uh, his the final battle with Spider-Man, and Minkin says, "You know why are you doing to your, this to yourself?" You know, and Norman says, "I gotta face it. I just got I gotta deal with it." Um, you know, I gotta face the reality of the situation, however unpleasant it is. Well, Minkin always kind of reminded me of Smithers, you know, from The Simpsons. Mm. So they're going through yeah. these old tapes, and then there's and then Colina, the Swedish nurse, walks in. Well, <laughs> Minkin doesn't really take well to this interruption whatsoever, but Norman is a bit more forgiving. For obvious reasons, uh, Norman Norman is obviously immediately smitten with her, uh, mm-hmm. and wonders if she likes Abba uh, because it's <laughs> legitimate <laughs> question, legitimate question. <laughs> so later, while while Colina, his nurse, has given him a massage, oh, uh, hey. Norman starts thinking of his dead wife, um, which is. Which this is the first time we actually get a little bit more on. We always knew that Norman had a wife, and mm-hmm. that her death pretty well unhinged him. But we never knew much about her. We never even knew her name. Well, here we finally learn her name, and that her name was Emily. Uh, and you know, we have it confirmed that she died from complications uh, resulting from Harry's birth. She died about a year before, about a year after Harry was born. And Norman has just really never gotten over it. Um, and so, you know, when his nurse is paying attention to him, she start, she accidentally uses some buzzwords that he remembers his wife using. So he's he's just he's developed he's becoming he's more triggered. Fond. Huh? Yes, he's, he's become so triggered. More, he's becoming more fond of this woman uh, for various. Re- I mean, I, you know it. <sighs> Yeah, maybe I'll get to that at the end of the story. It, it does seem, kind of seem like it happens awfully quick, but I think I think Osborns have proven that they tend to be when they fall, they fall hard, real hard. I mean, Harry was <laughs> Harry has let himself get in a mess over more than one woman over his life, and probably wouldn't be surprised that his old man was kind of the same way. Uh, but yeah. Norman decides to ask her to stay on as his private nurse. <laughs> I'm your private nurse. Nursing for money. Sorry. Are you trying to be Tina Turner? I was. Are, are, are you done? That was private dancer. I, no, no, I, I, I remixed it, you bastard. It was a horrible okay, remix ahead. anyway. Are, are you, George, you want to, like, you know, kick a little sand <laughs> in his face here for him? <laughs> no, I think he probably feels enough shame. 
<laughs> or at least I hope he does. <laughs> well, Man. Minkin, of course, the old party poop, thinks it's a bad idea for Norman to, to you know, because Norman's moving back into the Osborne mansion, and he, Minkin thinks it's a bad idea to bring the nurse with him. Well, Norman <laughs> tells him to go piss off. Uh, so anyway, Norman decides to dance and romance and dine and wine uh, Colina, and for whatever reason, he starts thinking back, back to what a piece of shit his old man was. So meanwhile, the scene switches to Spider-Man, who's still recovering from Mary Jane's quote-unquote death. Um, because he sees her face on billboards and magazines still. Fortunately, a bank robbery allows him to kick some ass, and he takes his mind off his troubles for a while. So he's, you know, he changes back to Peter Parker, he goes back to his apartment, and the mailman is dropping off some mail, including some free toothpaste, a free toothpaste sample. Whoa, well, Peter is really happy because he's broken. He's glad to get some free toothpaste. Well, <laughs> turns out the mailman, who's, uh, you know, dressed as... Forgot about the toothpaste. Dressed as George Carlin, uh, is <laughs> Norman in disguise. And this is just the first step of his devious plan, because he's also been pumping gas up in the air, which is uh, uh, masking Peter's spider sense. And, and the toothpaste is part of what Norman's devious plot to see what happened is this this all this is the whole plot of like the uh, the miniseries and then uh, Amazing and Peter Parker number 25, which come later, uh, yeah. where Norman gets the idea that Peter would make a fine heir to the Osborne legacy. And the toothpaste is some is a kind of a is has a is drugged to give Peter you know hallucinations and actually make him think he's the Green Goblin for a while. So that that's where this story ends, uh, or this particular part ends. Um, and um, you know it goes on for another couple of more issues, uh, and then leads into the like I said that. Uh, the the whole brainwashing story I think uh, yeah. where where Norman tries to uh, brainwash Peter into uh, accepting uh, uh, or allow basically allowing Norman to adopt him so but uh, yeah. anyway Revenge of the Green Goblin uh, let's see Death and Destiny I'll talk a little bit we've talked about okay. Death and Destiny before um, it, it wrapped up I guess yeah we talked about it back on uh, in podcast number two forty five Excelsior. Uh, back in August 2013, you know, there's a little, when I said podcast, when I said we talked about it in podcast number 245, you should have seen a little asterisk there in the box. And then, then you look down. I'm, at digging, the the, uh, I'm, I'm digging the, uh, the editor's notes. Yeah. There, Mr. Yeah, I am too. Uh, anyway, th- Very nice. this was a story, uh, set in the aftermath of Captain Stacy's death. It was a, uh, a three part miniseries r- drawn and written by Lee Weeks. I've always been rather fond of it. Uh, I've always yep. liked Lee Weeks art. Even though it's kind of funny when I looked at the uh, look at it, I thought, does he does Peter kind of look like James Franco in some of these panels? Uh, but this was a couple of years before that even. Uh, yeah. But this particular story, this particular story's ending where Doc Ock is uh, he's wondering why Spider Man is so frantic about what you know because cops get killed all the time. So why is Spider Man really spazzy about George Stacy's death? And so he thinks there's got to be some connection. So he kidnaps Jonah, thinking Jonah will tell him what it is. But I guess Jonah winds up convincing him that an honest man like George Stacy would never have anything to do with Spider-Man. Spidey saves Jonah. Doc Ock gets away. And at the end, Peter is reminiscing, and he once again promises Captain Stacy that he will look after Gwen. Well, of course, we know how that ended. So... And j- there's uh, 
Emerald Mystery, it looks like. Did you read this? It's a paperback that came out this month. I uh, know I did, but judging by the yeah. review on Spider-Man, it was pretty dreadful. Spider-Fan, yeah, it's one and a half. I have the book. It's been on my shelf for 16 years. Never read it. <laughs> uh, Spider-Girl hit an anniversary issue with number 25. Yeah. With, uh, I don't remember much about that one. I think that was the issue with the uh, Normie Osborne Green Goblin, wasn't it? No, that was 27. In, this was, uh, oh. 25 was the, I believe, this the first iteration of Her Sinister Six. The Savage Six. Yeah, looks it like. was the Savage Six, yes. Wow. Oh. All right, I think that's a month, isn't it? Well, we had Spider-Woman number six. Did you read that one? That was bad. Of course that was the, the, Batty Frank, the Batty Franklin Spider-Man? Ooh. Yeah, Spider-Woman Spider-Man, volume three, number 16. Pencils by Bart Sears. Never a fan. Was this a good month, Jr.? Well, it was a momentous month. It was. I mean, uh, it wasn't very much. So. It wasn't particularly good, where Amazing was concerned. Uh, the uh, the Revenge of the Green Goblin, unfortunately, was not quite up to what I'd hoped it would be. Uh, but I mean, we had Ultimate Spider-Man number one, and whatever you think about Ultimate Spider-Man, the Ultimate Universe, or anything, I mean, it was a uh, probably one of the more significant. Uh, you know, certainly one of the more significant titles in the in the history of Spider-Man. Um, you know, like it or lump it. 